Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our Teach Us to Pray sermon series continues as we progress through the Lord's Prayer. Today, we ask God to provide. Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung. Good morning. Wow. Good morning online. I'm Jenny Sung. I'm the executive coordinator and campus pastor to The Vine, our location downtown. I am so sorry I sound like a frog. Um, I'm on the tail end of something. The doctor has concluded nothing serious, um, but it is, uh, it is something that I'm dealing with today. So if I'm drinking my honey water and uh, reaching for lozenges, please do forgive me. Uh, it is such a joy to share God's word with you today. We're in this sermon series, Teach Us to Pray, based on the Lord's Prayer. And today we examine the line of petition, asking God, give us today our daily bread. I've been learning a lot about bread this week. Um, Whether you love carbs or not, if you've ever walked by a bakery baking fresh bread, just smell it and there's that waft of bread in the air. Don't you just love it? Ah, the smell of fresh bread. Do you know there's a store called Bath and Body Works? And um, you'll find middle-aged women like me sniffing all the candles and uh, lotions and, and, and soaps. And I actually kid you not, there's a candle called French Baguette. You can sniff a French Baguette. And so I opened it and I took a whiff and oh, it really smelled like fresh bread. Can you imagine? People in their homes, they're lighting up this candle, trying to sniff bread. That's how much people love bread. And uh, you know, research of bread in the time of Jesus noted that this was such a essential basic food. In Hebrew, the word to eat bread was synonymous with having a meal. So you could imagine, you can't have a meal without bread, right? Bread was treated with great respect, and there were rules like anything over the size of an olive you had to gather, you couldn't discard it, and it was never to be cut. Bread was always to be broken. The poor ate barley bread, and the rich would eat wheat bread. And because bread would become moldy back then very soon, you could only make enough for just a day or two. Bread was essential for people in Jesus' day and how relevant that Jesus was used this analogy of bread to describe something so essential because it was a part of our daily lives. Give us today our daily bread. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But as you really gaze upon this phrase, you see the significance in every single word. So today I wanna point out three aspects to you. Now, as I go through this, if there's some scripture, I may ask for your help and ask you to read it very loud as I try to preserve my voice. Okay, so number one, give us. Give us. Jesus actually just instructs us to turn to the Father and say, Abba, give to us. As we've learned in the Sundays previous, yes, we always come first, honoring and worshiping God, hallowed be your name. Right? We go on the vertical and we say, may your will be done, Father. Yes, may your kingdom come. We always focus first on honoring God. But Jesus also says to focus on the horizontal and ask God to provide for 
all of your needs, to ask him to be your sustainer and provider each day. You know, it's like the comfort of a small child coming with his or her need to their papa. A father wants to go to him and ask. In fact, it's good to ask. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, ask, seek and knock for the door to open. And in the New Living Translation by Eugene Peterson, it's almost like, keep asking, go for it. So Jesus continues in these verses, Matthew seven, nine through 11. Now, will you guys please read this? I'll start you off. Which of you? That's right. Just like we long to give good things to those people who we love and care about, God of perfect love desires to give good things to his children, to all the things that we need each day. God is infinitely capable of handling all that we ask for. God has the power and wisdom and knowledge and insight, and he knows the future to discern what is very best for all of us. And his wisdom is gonna be better than any human being with the most experience, the number of PhDs, or knowledge that you can find. In the Bible, King Solomon was considered to be the wisest human being on the earth. He was the son and successor to King David. And King Solomon, he was known for his wealth, his wisdom, his riches, his writings. And he says this in Ecclesiastes. So again, will you read Ecclesiastes 8, 16 and 17? When I applied. right. No one can really understand it all. And it's the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He's also a brainiac, if you read about him. He was one of the most prolific and greatest contributors of the entire New Testament. He says this in Romans eleven thirty three. Go ahead and read this. Oh, that's riches. Oh, God. How unsearchable is Paul was one smart guy. You see, God's depth and wisdom and insight is really beyond anything that any of us can possibly accomplish. And that is why we can turn to God and pray for his will to be done in our lives. And that is why you can rely on God and place your life in his hands and trust the one who is greater, who is wiser, more patient, and trustworthy than anyone you know. Now, this seems just too good to be true, that you can go 
to the almighty God, the one who understands everything, and you can go to him and petition with every single thing on your mind? I mean, you know, as humans, don't you kind of get tired when people keep coming at you with their needs and their requests? You know, it's like whiny people. But God, he doesn't ever tire of it. <clears throat> On earth, there's 7.8 billion people in the world. Can you add up all the prayers, especially for all those golfers praying for good weather? How many of you asking that? What about the brides asking for good weather? On the mainland, people who ask to win the lottery, or you know, maybe we're just praying for a good parking spot. Okay, just add them all up. Can you imagine? I think I'd go insane. But God, his mind is not like ours. His ways are not our ways. You know, there's a really funny movie, it's comedy. Uh, it's called Bruce Almighty. Has any of you seen it? It's an old one from 2003. And Jim Carrey plays this uh, television reporter who's just dissatisfied. You know, he doesn't like anything in his life. And he has this horrible day and he just angrily ridicules and rages against God. Ugh. And then God responds by appearing in human form, played by Morgan Freeman. And, um, and Morgan Freeman in, in, endows Bruce like with divine powers. And he challenges Bruce to take on the big job, to see if he can do any better. And uh, so Bruce has the powers of God and he begins to use them. And this is his solution to all the prayers that start pouring in. Oh my goodness, okay, everybody's happy. Let me ask you, <clears throat> do you actually think everybody became happy? No, you're right. Things go horribly wrong when everybody gets what they want. People riot when everybody wins the lottery, so really no one wins the lottery, no one gets anything. There's just chaos and everything falls apart. Desperate and alone, at the end, Bruce cries out, please, I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't wanna be God. I want you to decide what's right for me. I surrender to your will. Now, it's a great ending. It's a feel-good movie. And although this is fictional, you know, there are a lot of truths that really help us understand why we pray to align with God's heart, pray his will to be done, when we present all of our requests to him. In his book, How to Pray, as some of you have been reading by Pete Grigg, he says, praying in the name of Jesus means wanting what God wants, aligning our will to meet his will, our words with his word and our personal preferences with his eternal and universal purposes. Now praying for what God wants, aligning our wills to His, that sounds amazing, right? It sounds great. But I know, to be honest, I know that sometimes it feels really hard. Easier said than done, right? Sometimes it feels like we're praying in alignment with God and things still don't happen the way we want or expect. We get that red light or yellow light and it seems like there's no answer in sight. We're actually gonna study more about unanswered prayers in upcoming weeks. I just wanna say that for today, you know, when you're going through these times of waiting, when you're waiting, sometimes 
it can lead to the greatest moments of intimacy and closeness to God. Please don't move away. Don't give up. Fact. Do the opposite. Just go set up camp right there in God's bedroom. You know, just get up right up in there. Get to him real close, right in his face. Go to him daily and depend on him even more. You know, we were created to be with him. We were meant to be his children, to be in the family of God. And you know, it's not like you get weaned off and then you get dropped off and you're just doing life all on your own. God's kingdom doesn't work that way. No, we have a chance to be with our Abba every single day for eternity. And this daily dependence of going to the Father is the way. This is the way. In the depending, we continue to learn and to grow more and more into the image of God. Give us today our daily bread. <clears throat> the second word is today. Jesus instructs the prayer of provision to be made daily. It's not for like this week, this month, or this year. No, it's give us this day. Turn to God for what you need this day. Depend on him daily. And God wants to guide you as you go to him daily. Now, does anybody use GPS on a regular basis? Okay, thank you, Jesus, because I love GPS. His eye have the worst sense of direction ever. I think I know where I'm going and I'm almost always going in the wrong way. So I use Waze and I use it almost every day. It tells me step by step where to go. Um, but the best part is it, it doesn't just tell you all the steps you need to get there, how long it's gonna take, etc. the miles, and shuts off and says, there you go, 28 steps and you're gonna get there, good luck. You don't know, um, I love Waze because it stays with me every turn. You know, um, the important thing, because Waze is on my phone, is that you pay attention to it. So I've got Waze on my phone as long as I'm listening and I'm looking at it and checking, I pay attention. It tells me, you know, if there's construction ahead, if there's a pothole, you know, even when I, oh, I miss that, and I, I make wrong turn, it still stays with me, and it finds another way. Now, God is so much better than any GPS you use, but this is just a very small example of turning to God daily, every moment, and asking Him, God is gonna be the best navigation system that you'll ever acquire in your life. As you turn to God in daily prayer, the relationship with our Father becomes more familiar, more comfortable, closer. It's in prayer. It is prayer that unleashes our deeper connection to experience the presence of God. Nikki Gumbel of the Alpha Course says this on the video of prayer. And uh, this is a quote, and I'm gonna ask you to read this very out loud with me. I'll start you off. When we pray, we begin to experience God's love for us, His presence with us. We begin to experience joy, so 
love that verse. God doesn't want us to go through life with guilt or anxiety each day or fear in his presence, which we can experience. There's love and peace and his joy that he gives us. Even when we're going through the worst day and we run over this pothole and we get a flat tire, or maybe we made a wrong turn and we or we, we've crashed and you know, in life, we just don't know what's gonna happen. Know that God is gonna be there. We can lean on our Father each day. There is an unforgettable story of Great Britain's 400 meter runner, Derek Redman, in the 92 Olympics. Now I'm gonna show you this clip, but I wanna explain to you what's happening. Derek Redman did not win a medal at the Barcelona Olympics. In fact, he didn't even make it past the semifinals. At the start of the race, you see Redmond charging out of the blocks. He's making really good speed, and then all of a sudden, his hamstring snaps, and, he, and he's crippled, and he goes to his knees. His Olympic dream is over. You see him crying, but still determined to finish the race. He begins to hop on one foot and keeps going. And then he sees a figure emerge alongside the track. It's his father, Jim Resman. You know, in that video, you saw people, you know, the father waving off people. And Derek told later on the reporters what was happening. Derek noticed stadium security who did not know that Jim was the father trying to get them off the track. And Derek said, it's the only time I've ever heard my dad use bad language. <laughs> He's saying, leave him alone, leave him alone, I'm his father. And together, father and son walked the final meters of the race. And Derek said that he kept hearing his father's words in his ear. Things like, you got nothing to prove, son. You're one of the best in the world. You're a true champion. You've got a heart. You're gonna get over this. We're gonna conquer the world together. The Olympic Committee called the finish one of the most inspirational moments in Olympic history. It was so beautiful to see the loving arms of a father coming alongside his hurting son. And some of us have fathers or parents, loving biological parents that we've leaned on who support us, or maybe our parents are gone and they're no longer with us, or we don't see them that much anymore. There are some of us here who have never, ever experienced that kind of support from a family member, 
but for every single person, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, for everyone, we have a loving spiritual father who wants to be there for you each and every day for eternity. Many of us here are wounded warriors, followers of Jesus, and we've experienced tremendous disappointment, pain, loss, and suffering in life. And we will tell you, it is our Heavenly Father who is here for each and every day. Through the racetrack of life, God is going to be the greatest advocate who comforts and encourages and says the words to you, maybe very similar to the words of Jen Redmond to his son Derek. Hey son, hey daughter, you've got nothing to prove. You're a champion. You're one of the best. You got a heart. You're gonna get over this. We're gonna conquer the world together. We can all lean on God who will carry our burdens and hear our cries and be with us to the finish line. Give us this day our daily bread. And lastly, the word bread. The staple, something that was so essential in the culture. Remember what I said about bread back then becoming moldy so you could only make enough for a day or two. You couldn't go too long before you, more bread was needed. And so that daily prayer for bread is a consistent turning to God for what you need for that day. You know, throughout time, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God provided just enough, not too little, not too much, but enough for his people. Manna in the desert. Um, in the book of Exodus, God provided manna called the grain of heaven, and it was like white, like coriander, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. When the people of Israel were traveling and they were hungry in the desert, you know, um, they ate manna and God rained down quail and manna for them to eat each day until they reached the promised land. You know, when they tried to hoard it, when they tried to like hold on to it till the next day, do you know it began to rot? It began to smell and it says it was full of maggots. A prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is a prayer asking for God's provision. He's gonna provide that manna, what you need for today. But when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it is also that prayer of trust in God and dependence on him for tomorrow as well. We never know what he's going to do and maybe he wants to release our clutched hands from the things that will smell and rot and grow maggots in our lives. And so he wants us to go to him and depend on him each day with palms open toward God, trusting in his sovereign will. As we close, I wanna share one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a story about bread, and it's about a young boy who offered five barley loaves and two small fish. In the Gospel of John, chapter six, we run into a crowd of 5,000 hungry people. And you know, it's like Jesus knows what he's gonna do, but the disciples are just freaking out. <clears throat> Jesus asked Philip, 
So where do we go to get this bread to feed, you know, these people, 5,000 at least? And Philip goes, Philip's like, it's going to take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for even one bite. <laughs> it's impossible. You can see the disciples like panicking, freaking out. They're looking for solutions. And so Andrew comes with this little boy and he says, there's this boy with five small, uh, five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far can they go? Two fish, and it says small fish. Five barley loaves, and do you remember barley was bread for the poor? So this was a poor, meager lunch of a poor, small boy, but he still gives it to the disciples. And Jesus, knowing this, gives thanks to God and gives to the people as much as they wanted. And at the end, people were so full and 12 baskets of bread were left over. What didn't seem possible became possible with God. What the boy offered seemed barely enough, but God supplied more than enough. This story is amazing in so many ways not just giving up hope when things seem impossible. You know, to trust God for all of our needs, even if that means giving up your meager lunch, give what you have to God and just see what happens. But the most amazing thing about the story about bread is what he reveals to people as they start to follow him. And Jesus says, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And he says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus says, yes, it's a miracle. I fed you, I will feed you. But look beyond the physical. Look towards the spiritual, what lasts forever, the eternal. Don't labor for what's temporary, but look for what's eternal. And then he proclaims the very first I am statement. He says in John 6, 35 through 40, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you don't believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. One day we will finish this race in our physical life and leave this earthly body. We're not gonna be able to take anything with us, not our wealth, our status, our talents or accolades, or our scented French bucket candles, none of that. And we can spend 
the rest of the time striving after temporary things that's gonna satisfy for just a little bit before we're exhausted or bored and we look to fill that void once again or, or we can turn to the one who truly fulfills that deep longing, to the one who gives eternal life and nourishes our soul each day. Jesus is the bread of life, the spiritual staple we need each day. And he is the sustenance to make us thrive each day. To believe in Jesus is to accept the gift of God's eternal love for you and for me. Jesus knew the cost of the gift. The price has already been paid. There's no balance. It's yours. If you want to invite Jesus into your heart, now's a good time as any. He longs to be close to you and walk with you in the track of life. So maybe it's time to turn to something of eternal value and not work for the things that's gonna spoil. God will walk with you each day and you can lean on him. So if you wanna be reminded again and refreshed anew, you can rededicate your life to Jesus again today. Or if this is the first time, just say this very simple prayer with me. All it takes in this prayer of sorry, please, and thank you. Will you bow your heads with me? Come, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the ways that I've neglected you, of not putting you first for focusing on myself and this temporary life. Will you forgive me? I need you. I trust in you as my sustainer and provider for all things. I thank you for loving me, for taking all the burden of sin and giving me eternal life. Please come into my heart. Fill me up with the power of your Holy Spirit. Will you protect and guide me each day? I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you pray that, please make sure that you let someone know, someone around you or to the prayer team. And now as we continue to worship God, and remember that he is the one that sustains us, will you please stand as I close the service with this final blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you. And may he turn his face towards you and give you peace. May he sustain you and provide for you each day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. And again, if you would like prayer, please come to me or the prayer corner. And online, you can press the prayer button. God bless you. God loves to give. He is there to sustain us daily with the things we need. Let's consistently and continually pray to God for our daily bread. 
If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prayer sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Prayers for Church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through our websites. Remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Prez. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time... God bless you. Stay safe and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2023 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.